from DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, this is the Super Flex Super Show. Your main source for strategy, speculation, player values, and all things Super Flex. With innovative strategies like QBX in the Super Flex flywheel, exercises like Tinder Flex, Super Six, Your Nuts, and next week this week, the Super Show's super friends never lack the content you need to help you draft and manage your roster in the fastest-growing fantasy football format, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Enjoy your DLF podcast and stay sexy and super flexy. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Dan, Matt, and Ryan, we are here for episode 588 of the show. And this episode is brought to you by League Tycoon. If you play in a contract dynasty league or have ever thought about joining a contract league, but we're worried that it would be maybe too much work, then you're going to want to check out League Tycoon. League Tycoon has perfected a platform for fantasy football salary cap and contract leagues. Leagues are super easy to set up, and they offer a ton of configuration and management options. League Tycoon's mobile app makes managing your team easy. In fact, their mobile app may be the best fantasy league mobile app in the industry. I'll vouch for that one. It's feature rich easy to navigate and doesn't have a lot of distracting features to take away from the pure fantasy football experience so go to leaguetycoon.com to get more information and download the app and if you use the promo code dlf when creating your league your first year is absolutely free let's uh let's talk about week four in the nfl let's talk about week four in dynasty guys it was uh man the scoring just like took off immediately on sunday afternoon after the london game game ended there was just a flurry of touchdowns with those uh one o'clock eastern kickoffs matt and the scoring just kept on going up we're finally these offenses are finally catching up to the defenses it feels like yeah, so much fun today. Uh, you know, as always with us us dynasty players that have, you know, 10 plus leagues, you you win some, you lose some. Um so but it was a it was a really great day for me both from that angle, from the from the DFF's angle. The uh the, the the separation between a good day and a great day though relies on the shoulders of Zach Wilson tonight. So Probably not going to be a great. Well, by day. the time our listeners are hearing this, they'll know if you're crying or if you're That's cheering true. over That's there true. in San Diego. Uh, gonna need gonna need a number in the teens, the high teens from. Uh, they are they already from now. The worst. <laughs> they we are, we you know, already know. now. <laughs> Ryan, uh, how about you, bud? How how's week four treating you? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, pretty good overall. Maybe not as good as Matt, but uh, it was a good week, fun week, lots of uh, close games. Uh, entertaining games, and as you already said, some some high scoring, uh, both high scoring games and high scoring uh, fantasy players. So yeah, another another fun one for sure. Yeah, we had breakouts that you know. I wish we could talk about all the rookies that are are like stepping up for it. Michael Wilson had his first big game on Sunday mm-hmm. afternoon. That was exciting to see. It was exciting to see some of the separation he was able to create. 
Um, there's a handful of other ones as well. We're, we're not going to be able to get to all these guys, but man, it feels like we could spend a whole show every single week on the rookies that are stepping forward and making, making tough decisions for dynasty players. The thing I, I I've been thinking about, especially uh, throughout week four is we haven't even gotten to the bye week. Some of these guys that are on our bench, guys like Michael Wilson and, and maybe Tank Dell is on a, a championship roster from last year and we haven't had room for him. And I, I know he had a down week on Sunday, just the one catch, but we're going to have room for these guys in our starting lineups here coming up. And that's exciting as dynasty players. So um, I don't know, you know, we got a lot to get to on the show. Is there anything that, that caught your eye this week, Matt? Dan, I think we have to talk about Justin Fields who had a 75% completion percentage today. I, I, I need to go back and watch that game closer because I, as I'm sure you guys do too, I watch primarily red zone on Sundays. Uh, unless yeah. the Packers are playing. So, you know, I need to I need to see exactly what was going on, but it was impressive. You would have liked to see a little bit more running, only 25 yards rushing. So it doesn't seem like they're really incorporating that. I don't know why they don't want him to do the thing he's best at, but the passing, it came today. And and I'm curious if you think there's any progression there, or if this is just a, a Denver Broncos is that bad kind of thing. Well, my lean is the Denver Broncos is that bad type thing, but there was some ball placement. The the throw to DJ Moore in the front corner of the end zone, yeah. the high throw, the the uh, the corner was underneath that route, and that had to be placed up high where only Moore could get it. That's that's nice ball placement. That those are the kind of things. That's never really been the the true issue. It's really the and and accuracy is a big problem for him. It's really the lack of anticipatory throws that yeah. That kind of get me with fields and and keep me from getting on board and has really since he was at Ohio State. It it just hasn't been there. And until those types of throws are happening, uh I'm I'm not gonna be able to get that. I would use honestly, I'd use this as a as a way to get him off my roster. This big game, he's gonna finish as a top five quarterback, of course, this week. And and I, I think he's gonna restore some of that value. The 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 things that you're alluding to there and a 75% completion percentage, that doesn't come easily, right? That that nobody can just roll out of bed and complete 75% of their passes against any NFL defense. We've all always known that there's that talent there. And he, he was able to kind of bottle that up for a game at least. He used DJ Moore a lot. Eight catches for 131 yards, nine targets, nine targets for Cole Komet as well. He caught two touchdowns. The seam route, that was maybe a little bit of anticipation, but let's, let's not joke around. Komet was wide open, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the, he could have ran for that touchdown, I think. And he threw it to Komet. That was, that was nice to see. That's a positive thing. And even the Herbert touchdown, there was guys all around him, guys all around Herbert as well. And he snuck that ball in there for the, for the fourth touchdown pass. So, uh, again, you don't just throw four touchdown passes if you don't have some talent. He certainly has talent. I just don't know if he'll ever realize it to the point where he'll hold on to an NFL job for long enough to be worth what dynasty managers are paying. So I would use it as a as a way to sell him. I'm assuming you would not, Matt. I mean, I, I tried to acquire cheaply. Uh, last week, I don't know if we talked about it on here if it was before recording, and 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 nobody hated him enough for me to get him at the prices that I was looking at. You know, I was looking at, um, you know, in the in the Jordan Jordan Love, Geno Smith, uh, Daniel Jones kind of tier to see if people were re- ready to move him down into that range, and of course nobody was yet. So I wasn't able to pull any triggers, and I don't think that's gonna 
you know, get any cheaper this week. So if I couldn't get him for that price last week, I'm not going to get him for that week. Most people said they wanted a first on top of guys like that, which to me is a little bit too far. I think in certain instances, if I was, you know, if I had several first round picks and I really needed a quarterback in super flex leagues with some upside, I might pay that kind of price. But the thing that keeps me from getting out completely is I just think we're going to have, when we have these big games like this, it's going to draw people back in. That price is going to go back up. Uh, And we haven't even had the running aspect yet. We know he ran for over a thousand yards last year. So if that ever does come into play, if these coaches ever do learn from the mistakes that was made from the previous coaching staff before they let him loose last week and week seven or six or whatever it was uh that really unlocked his fantasy value like that's when you know that kind of stuff and that the hope for that is what keeps me still in the in the game i guess for for justin fields at least for the shares that i have it doesn't seem like i'm going to be able to acquire anymore to be really clear i've I've had no problem with any fantasy player investing highly in fields in a in a redraft setting it's the dynasty setting that I have a problem with because I, I just don't feel like, and he's going to have these blow up games and he will, as long as he's even considered for a starting role, if he becomes a backup someday and suddenly he gets thrust into that starting role, he'll have the, the upside to be the number one quarterback that week. So in a short term um, setting fields is a great fantasy option. It's the long term setting that really gives me pause. And, and I really feel like, Dynasty managers are overlooking that because he has the potential to score you 30 or 40 fantasy points in a week. And, and we see that and think, I want him on my team. I want to be able to put check the box next to his name and put him in my lineup for that. But the day he loses the job, his value plummets to the point where he's like the number one backup quarterback in, in super flex leagues. He, he's all of a sudden the ranked number 30. And I can't stomach going from the ninth ranked fantasy quarterback, dynasty quarterback down to 30 that there's nothing about that, that I'm okay with Ryan, anything to add on, on fields and his big day on Sunday. I mean, it it was nice to see, first of all, because, uh, we, we know what he's capable of. I, and honestly, I mean, selfishly, I had to use him in a couple of lineups this week. So I'm, I'm glad he finally put together a big game. Um, I still have, similar questions that I had last week that I've had the past three weeks about him um, had had the touchdowns had his first ever 300 yard game by the way first one ever um, but still didn't run and that's that's really what we as fantasy players fantasy managers want to see is him run the ball that's what he's that's where he's shown that he can be a difference maker from a fantasy standpoint and we're still not seeing that so um I totally agree with, with you, Dan, if you could use this as a sell high opportunity, I definitely would be doing it. I think in most leagues, uh, fantasy managers are going to be too smart for that, especially when you factor in, uh, the defense that, uh, or lack of defense that the bears faced on Sunday. Don't, nice- don't you think, don't you think the lack of, of running is, has got to be a, a coaching staff thing, right? Like, Sure. I feel like he wants yeah. to. So why, like, why are the coaches doing this? They, they, they must know how good of an open field. They did the same is. thing last year. They did the I know, same exact like, thing why, the first month of last why? season. Why? Well, and they still are the number so well one pick year. after, after letting him become the runner. So I think they decided we need to be, make him a better pocket passer in order to take the next step as a team, not just as a player. And they're on pace to earn the number one pick again, I guess. Yeah. So, 
You know, the nice thing is you mentioned that defense, Ryan, that Denver defense who got shredded uh, a week ago by, by the dolphins. Uh, the, they're really in a stretch where fields could continue this and potentially have, have a nice little stretch to his season. They have Washington on the quick turnaround on Thursday night, followed by uh, the Vikings coming into soldier field, then Las Vegas going to Chicago, uh, followed up by the Chargers before playing um, the New Orleans Saints. So not a, not a murderer's row there of, of defenses that are going to stop uh, any offense, let alone a struggling one with Chicago. So uh, maybe there is a, is a time coming up where Fields, after two or three strong performances, could be that sell high. I'll continue to look for those windows. Let's move on to the startup guys because we got a lot of talk talk about. We got some rookies to hit on. Um, we're going to talk about the, uh, we're going to talk about um, some trading opportunities across your dynasty league. In fact, most of the show is going to be uh, trade centric. So uh, let's hit it. The startup. We want to get to one of those rookies right here. It is quarterback C.J. Stroud of the Houston Texans. The Texans are off to a surprising 2-2 two and two start. They've been competitive. They're kind of taking on the personality of their new head coach. Tough, gritty team. The weapons there in Houston are a little bit erratic. They're a little bit up and down, but they're young, with the exception of Robert Woods, of course. Uh, and and now they're, they're, two and, they're two and two. They beat a... I think what most people think is at least an average to above average Pittsburgh team on Sunday. And they beat them, beat them, beat them down pretty hard. 30 to six Stroud though, 16 of 30. So the completion percentage isn't exactly where we want it to be, but he went over 300 yards for the second time in four games through two touchdown passes. Also ran for 16 yards guys so far on the season. He has three straight uh, double two touchdown pass games. In the last three games, he's thrown for 1,200 yards, six touchdowns, and no picks. So, you know, we had these uh, thoughts and these feelings and these observations about Stroud coming into the season. And there was a time, remember, that we thought maybe the Panthers made that move at number one to go get C.J. Stroud. And it actually, I think the betting market actually indicated that. So, you know, not that this is a Young versus Stroud thing. I think the dynasty um, masses, I guess, started to think, well, Stroud isn't as good as Young. Stroud, is, you know, he doesn't have the same kind of upside as Richardson. So Stroud is a lesser commodity. In August, he was going seventh or eighth in super flex rookie drafts, which is crazy. He slipped to 10 in one that I saw. And now a month into the season, he looks like a player with not only – short-term potential as he's indicated so far in his first month as a starter, but maybe we need to revisit what his long-term upside might bring, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been a great start and, you know, combining Stroud and and how he's played with uh, the other young receivers, you know, this is, uh, I feel like we've been waiting on this Nico Collins breakout for a couple of years now. It is certainly happening. And it's here. Uh, we, we've, we've talked about Tank Dell uh, the past couple episodes. He is obviously impressive, a lot better than I thought he would be, as as I said last week. Uh, it, this is a fun team to watch. Um, and that's definitely not something I expected to say uh, or not something that we've said often about this Texans team. But um you know, when, when you're off to, when a player's off to a start like this, especially when they are a rookie from a dynasty standpoint, you just start 
considering where where they should be valued moving forward. And honestly, I think it's kind of a similar conversation to what we have had already with Anthony Richardson. Um, I think he's valued very similarly to Richardson. And we've talked about how tough it's going to be to break into that top seven. You, you know, now we're a month into the season and we're seeing warts with uh, Joe Burrow and, and warts with Trevor Lawrence a little bit. So that, that wall is getting thinner and thinner and, and Stroud and Richardson are, uh, are, are knocking it down right now. And the thing about it is you mentioned some of that young talent with Collins and Dell. You can even throw Damian Pierce's name into that as well. Still a young player and a guy that a lot of us have faith in to be better than maybe his start has been. When you when you sprinkle in the veterans and and think to yourself, this offensive line is just ravaged with injuries. Laramie Tunsil, considered one of the better tackles in the league hasn't been able to get on the field when, when these players and, and at times they've been missing four starters across that offensive line. Stroud is putting up these numbers, averaging nearly 300 or actually just over 300 yards a game, throwing multiple touchdown. you think back to Kenny Pickett a year ago, he didn't have a single two touchdown game, Matt. And now we have Stroud three times in his four uh, starts as a as a rookie already throwing multiple touchdown passes and, and going over 300 yards relatively consistently he he's just a he, he might be better than what we all remember from the Ohio State days yeah absolutely I mean I, I think it's pretty obvious at this point that he has passed uh, Bryce Young who you know when you look at the two of them and what they put on the field so far you know, it's just it just doesn't compare I think you can say that maybe Bryce Young's situation in terms of his weapons. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm grasping the straws here. Maybe his situation is a little bit worse, worse in terms of weapons, but what Stroud is doing is, is historic. The only quarterback that has more passing yardage through his four, first four games is Cam Newton. Uh, CJ Stroud has more passing yards than Justin Herbert did as through his first four games as a rookie than Joe Burrow did than Geno Smith did than Kyler Murray did than Andrew Luck did. So uh, yeah, he's, he's the quarterback too in this class. And, you know, I think if you are, are still not necessarily into Anthony Richardson, if you think the passing isn't really going to come along for him, maybe you can put him at quarterback one or maybe like in, in, in leagues where passing touchdowns are worth six points, the same as rushing touchdowns. Maybe you, you can put him at quarterback one there in this class for me, he's still quarterback two, but it's uh, he's a quarterback one in dynasty. Like there's no, there's no ifs, ands or buts. Oh yeah. That. Yeah, he's on the fringe quarterback one in redraft at this point with the consistency yeah, sure. he's shown. He's going to be, with the bye weeks that I mentioned before, he's going to be considered even in single quarterback leagues. And over the next couple of weeks, he's got Atlanta on the road and then has to has to play the Saints' tough defense. Those are going to be some good tests for him, and we're going to find out exactly how good he might be if he gets some help across that offensive line, though. Um I could see him taking another step forward, to be honest with you. There was a time in the offseason that I was the one pounding the table that Stroud was the QB1 in the class. And I re- I kind of regret backing off of that, although Richardson has looked magnificent and certainly looks like a, a guy you can build around uh, your, your dynasty team around. Stroud looks like that same kind of player. He's certainly a step above some of these other young quarterbacks. So the question now is where exactly do we rank him? among our quarter in our quarterback rankings Ryan if you had to if you had to put that number on him who's who's right around him I already mentioned Richardson's name um I mean Tua I think has has certainly gained some value and moved up the rankings right now so 
uh, for me, it's, it's still the top seven uh, and you can put them really in, in whatever order you want. There's probably, there's actually a couple tiers there, I would say. So Mahomes, Allen hurts, Lamar Bur- Burrow, Herbert and Lawrence. Um, and then your next three, I think are, are the two rookies, Richardson and Stroud along with Tua. Um, so to me, that means clearly ahead of fields, clearly ahead of Watson, Dak Prescott, uh, Bryce Young, obviously. I think there's actually a pretty big gap after those three to uh, whoever would be next. I think that's fair. There's a tear break there for sure. Matt, I'm sure you agree. Yeah. I have him at quarterback 10 currently uh, just behind Richardson. So yeah, he's ahead of all of those guys. He's ahead of Dak. He's ahead of Watson. Um, I think just behind. So do you still have fields ahead or Tua? No, I've moved fields behind those guys. Yeah. So it's Tua. Yeah, so it's two. And, you know, I, I know Dell didn't have the game that a lot of dynasty managers were probably expecting or, or hoping for. But the truth is, uh, Nico Collins just dominated the targets, right? Seven catches, 168 yards, caught the two touchdowns. Even Dalton Schultz caught a touchdown. All of that one came from Devin Singletary uh, on the pitch. So um, it feels like it could be any one of these top receivers any single week, but most likely it's these young guys, Collins. Uh, and Tank Dell as those top priority pass catchers. And again, if they can fix that offensive line, really the sky's the limit for this offense. Well, one one reason we have, those of us who have kind of been interested in Stroud or, or really this offense in general, uh, is the expectation that they're going to be behind every week. They're going to have to you know, they're going to have a ton of passing volume to play catch up and garbage time and all those all those things. So I think the past two weeks, they dominated the Jags last week, dominated the Steelers this week, and um, and Stroud had big games both of those times. Dell had his week in week three. It was Nico this time. I think that's very encouraging that this is not just a an offense where you need that garbage time or you need them to fall behind to, to really pay off. They're, they're going to th- – this is their game plan. They're going to throw the ball around every single week. Yeah. And it's encouraging to see how the, how they're using those weapons. Damian Pierce with 24 carries averaged just 3.4 yards per carry had a touchdown taken away due to penalty. Um, They're they're The arrow is certainly pointing up for most of the pieces in this offense. And that's exciting, especially if you're a Texans fan, but, but also for us in the dynasty space, because uh, there's some young guys that we're going to be building around in the future. Uh, Let's get to some trade talk. Let's talk trade. This is going to be a fun conversation, guys. We thought we'd talk about players who are apparently being held back by their coaching staff or their system, maybe their teammates or how they're being used. There's a list of players here, and we're going to get to as many as we can. Uh, that really need to be talked about. And I know we have them listed third here, but I want to talk about Kyle Pitts first, Matt, because I I heard, I think I might've mentioned this last week, but I heard somewhere that Kyle Pitts is the, is the worst use talent of all time in the NFL. And I know he's still banged up. They mentioned that on the telecast uh, this morning as well, but the truth is they don't use him like a, like a, incredibly athletic gifted pass catcher that he is. And that, that creates games where he catches one or two balls for 15, 20, 25 yards. 
and dynasty managers just say, ho-hum, that's, that's Kyle Pitts for you. It's almost like his athleticism is is working against him because, you know, he's running a lot of like routes downfield and, and that's not generally something we see from tight ends. It's it's exciting that he's doing that because it gives him those opportunities for those big plays. But when you have a quarterback like Desmond Ritter, who is just absolutely terrible, it's just not happening. Uh, there was a tweet last week that I think I texted you guys from uh, Lindsey Rhodes or something, and it just listed all of the top tight end targets. And, you know, Pitts was among the among the league leaders and targets, top 10 or top eight or something like that. But all the other tight ends had their catchable ball rate in like the 80% range. His And Pitts is all the way down to 50%. I don't know what the update is after uh, this morning's game is, uh, but he's just not worse, getting, I'm sure, I, I'm sure he's it just not getting the quality worse. targets. <laughs> And then you see them using John o. Smith in the way that they should be using Kyle Pitts, and, you're, and it just makes absolutely no sense. So uh, I don't know if I'm answering any question you have here, but I just, I just, it just, every time I look at the name, I look at the games that he's playing, I look at what he's doing on the field and the way they're targeting him and using him, and it just, it, it just makes no sense. I, I'm not giving up on him in Dynasty. Um, I have some trades here if you want to if you want to get into that, but um, I mean I still have them at I think tight end three, tight end two, something like that. So um, I'm not moving off of that. I don't think. Well, I I wanted to have this conversation because it seems like no matter what podcast you listen to, what articles you read, who's who you follow on Twitter, everybody's kind of saying the same thing about Kyle Pitts and and really several of the other players we'll talk about as well that you know, we believe in their talent. We still believe they just need the opportunity. And I don't know. It's just getting so, I'm, I'm getting so frustrated with that. And I'm not saying any of that is wrong. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I have that opinion about most of these players as well, but until it changes, none of that matters. So I, I guess what I'm trying to decide on each of these players, and I would love your all's feedback here is, is now the time to buy low on these players? Is is it even a situation where we're buying low? Has their value dropped? And if so, should we be taking advantage of it? Well, I think there's there's probably a different conversation for every one of these players because they're all sure. a little bit different. And Pitts in, in uh, particular is on a roster where somebody paid a lot for him. I don't think there's a single roster or a single league in across the dynasty landscape where Pitts is on a team that that manager doesn't like Kyle Pitts and doesn't believe in the upside because there was a point where you would pay so much to get him on your, every league has somebody, somebody in that league that will pay so much to get him and either did that or offered that and didn't get it. So he was already on a team like that. I I see all Pitts managers being a lot like Matt Price and saying, I I believe, I don't know. I have some trades, Dan, that, and I don't yeah. think you're correct about this. If you want me to I throw them out here, enlighten I me. think there's a lot of frustrated yeah. dynasty managers, and you know, most of our leagues that we that the three of us play in are leagues with other people that are writers or podcasters or very active on Twitter or or whatever yeah. the case may be. And some sometimes we lose sight that in your normal average league, somebody is so frustrated they, that Kyle Pitts is doing nothing over and over again every week. Yeah. They don't have the same attachment to him, you know, like not to like belittle anyone in like a home league or whatever, Like, but, but these people are not, you know, for the most part, they're not plugged in 24 seven. Like we are to this stuff. They're not scouting these guys. They don't have the attachment to, to, to <laughs> that, Kyle that's Pitts. That's a like plus for them, before, by right? the way. Oh, absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. It is. We have, we are the one with the preconceived notions of what this player should be. Right. 
Um, but going to our trade finder, we do have some like cra- trades that just seem absolutely crazy to me. Jerome Ford and, and Jake Ferguson for Kyle Pitts. Like, like, I, I, like, like, are you guys? Maybe it's not crazy. You, That's very I'm obviously the pro. Okay. No, uh, no, I, mean, I want, a, I want a, pits for that. A single first round pick next year. Like, I can see those I'm, trades happening. I'm not yeah, that, doing that, that trade. That could happen though across even industry leagues where where they are. I don't. Attacked. I don't think of. I don't think a random first for pits is crazy right now because when you look at next year's class. um Brock Bowers is going to be a mid first rounder next year in, in mm-hmm. at least in super flex leagues. And if you tell me you want to just hit the reset button and, and see what Brock Bowers is, he's probably going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. You want to roll it back and try, you know, try Brock Bowers instead of Kyle Pitts. I don't think that's crazy. So unless you're getting a pick, that's a near lock to be 10, 11, 12, then I don't think taking a, a first rounder is, a bad deal really. Yeah. And that probably bleeds over to his teammate too, right? We should throw Drake London's name into this. Yeah. Of course he's a young, year younger, but he's struggling through the same kind of offensive philosophy and coaching and usage problems that we're seeing there in Atlanta. And it goes week in and week out. In fact, Drake London's to the point now where, where redraft managers are dropping him outright, even after catching a touchdown on Sunday morning, three catches for 28 and that score on seven targets. He was targeted again in the back of the end zone late in that game, but there's no consistency there. Even watching the games, it feels at some point with both Pitts and London that there's five or six or eight or 10 times a game where you see one of these players do something on the field. And you think to yourself, why was he even in that position? You see Pitts run that like two yard out and Jonu Smith catch the 11 yard seam route on the same play. And you think, why are those two players running those, those two routes? Why isn't that flipped the other way? And I get it. Maybe, maybe those coaches are just that smart. Maybe, maybe they know that no. the defense is no. thinking the exact same thing. So we're going to use Jonu in that way. But th- that, that seems silly to me. If Travis Kelsey can get that open all the time, why can't we use Pitts in the same kind of way, even if he's not that good at, at, at like, uncovering and things like he's that? He's not getting any help. They are not scheming him open. Like, you scheme your best play. Even Tyree Kill, he gets schemed open. Why are you not scheming Kyle Pitts open? Well, and, and I think it bleeds over to London as well. So I guess the yeah, question absolutely. at this point, before we move on to the next group of player or player, is are we buying low? Are we going to try to yeah. buy these guys at this price? If, if London's out there on the trade block, Ryan, are, are you chasing after him? Yeah, I'm chasing both of these guys because uh, they're both still very young. Um, and I've said it before, I, I still think they, well, they definitely outlast Desmond Ritter. That's that's obvious. Uh, but I think they outlast the coaching staff as well. Yeah, London hasn't had a t- wide receiver 20 or better performance yet this season. Wide receiver 21 in week two, wide receiver 28 so far in week four, and some ugly performances after that. Pitts, same kind of thing. We, he's not sniffing tight end one production so far. How about Jameer Gibbs, the rookie running back, Matt, in Detroit? We had the Montgomery injury, and, and Gibbs was used. It wasn't, he wasn't given that role. He wasn't, he wasn't the number one guy. And it seems to me, and this is just me watching every Lions game so far, that he is playing the, the DeAndre Swift role from the last couple of seasons. 
And that is what the Lions want him to do. Maybe he stays healthier so he continues to be a fringe RB2 as he has been for each of the last three weeks with an RB19, RB24, and RB21 finish. But that's not exactly what we invested when we gave up the second pick in a rookie draft this past summer. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I think there's reason to be upset about it. But he, we have to remember the kind of player he is. Like we 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 kind of knew this coming in that he was not going to be this heavy volume guy, especially in the running game. I mean, he was last week to some extent when when Montgomery was out, but that's not his game. As in his final season at at uh, at Alabama, he only saw 33 percent of the rush yards. We invested in Jameer Gibbs because of his pass catching ability and. He's be, he, he's getting plenty of work in that in that uh, in, in that role. Uh, in week one, he saw a target share of six point three percent. You know, obviously not great, but it was his first game as a rookie. So, uh, in week two, twenty six point five percent target share. That's what we're looking for with a guy like this, right? Uh, and then this past week, this you know this game where everyone said uh, you know it, it's it's over for Gibbs. He, he's not what we wanted him to be. He got an eighteen and a half target share percent target share, and that is fine for what he is going to be. The numbers just didn't come along with those opportunities. So, if you expected Gibbs to be a you know fifteen to twenty carry and five catch guy every single week, I think you're going to be sad for this season. Could that come at some point? Yeah, but that's not who he was as a player. It's not who he is as a player. We're looking for the receiving uh, ability from Gibbs. And, uh, and this you know, one, with this one though, I think that dynasty manager our managers are going to be extremely frustrated, very sure, frustrated, very. Quickly. I'm buying low. Seventeen for single first. Thing, Fine. I think the thing that is going to going to really upset dynasty managers is what Devin a chain is doing in Miami. That's what they expected. That's what the, they wanted. That blow up performance, the two touchdowns, the creative creativity in the offense. And that that's just not a thing in Detroit, Ryan. So like, if you're, well, if you're, if you're, if you're talking Gibbs, is he, is he gonna, are, are you going to be able to get any kind of discount on him based on the performance so far? I don't think so. Not, not yet. Um, I mean, there certainly was a lot of talk Thursday night, Friday morning on Twitter. Um, and, and there were some frustrated, uh, Gibbs managers out there for sure. I, uh, kind of poked the bear a little bit there and, and basically said, I, I saw more people complaining about Gibbs complainers than actual Gibbs complainers. But, um, uh, you know, like you said, Dan, he's been an RB two the past three weeks, 19, 24 and 21. Um, I think this is what he's going to be basically. And, and he's going to have those big games where he scores two receiving touchdowns or he goes over a hundred receiving yards or something like that. But as Matt said, this is kind of who he was coming in. Uh, he did, he saw very little red zone work uh, for Alabama um, as well. And we, we should have known, especially with what the lions coaching staff has shown us. I mean, we had the blueprint with Deandre Swift this is this is what we should have seen coming. Um, so I, I mean, I get being frustrated if you spent the one point oh two on him, or if you, um, you know, if you spent a second or third round startup pick on him, or something like that. I I understand that's frustration, but I think this is pretty much what we're going to see from him moving forward. Completely agree. This this is it. It's DeAndre Swift once again, and and he's more talented, right? He's he's quicker, and he's more. He has that that first step burst, 
all those things. But if he only gets the opportunities that Swift got when he was healthy, and the only thing that's different is the slight upgrade in talent and the availability that he'll have, and he's shown that throughout his career that he's maybe not doesn't get nicked up quite as much as Swift. Um, that's not enough to ever warrant being worth that 1.02. And, and Swift doing what he's doing in Philadelphia right now is just another reason to be more frustrated with how Gibbs is being used. And, and if his upside is truly where dynasty managers hope it is, because if he's used like this, it's not that high. It's not as high as we've all placed him. Who's the, uh, who's the RB2 in dynasty right now? Not Jameer Gibbs. Kieran Williams. Oh my I'm God. just guessing. I'm just guessing. <laughs> well, I mean, it, for me, in, in the last time I updated my rankings, it was Jameer Gibbs. Um, I, I don't think I will have that uh, when I update them next time. Brees Hall would be the other candidate, but he's um, he's. You sure? He's had his own. Sure? He's had not his own. CMC again. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of why I was asking. I think it needs to be CMC. <laughs> no. That's the first name that popped into my head. And if if you got him on a dynasty team, you could be in a rebuild and winning games right now. So uh, CMC mm. is what we want Gibbs to be someday. And Gibbs may be like forty percent of CMC is right now. That might be the best Gibbs ever is. That and that's going to be hard for a lot of dynasty managers to to stomach i th- i think we i think we as a community maybe not everybody because there are still the people that were on to swift when he went to the eagles but i think a lot of us including myself like we just assumed that this was a player problem and not a coaching staff problem in terms of his usage and i think we've yeah. seen uh that that's not the case that swift is still talented and on a team that's going to use him to his strengths he's uh he's succeeding and it doesn't seem like the lions like know how to use this kind of player well, the coaching staff isn't going anywhere with them at three. No, and one not at all. No, and, no way. Uh, looking like the leader in the clubhouse in that division, certainly in line for a playoff spot. Um, they're still that arrow is still pointing up. Let's try to get through a couple more of these guys before, guys, before we got to move on. How about um, let's let's go on to a couple Seattle Seahawks, the rookies uh, over there in Seattle. JSN wide receiver ninety three on the season as far as performance goes so far, and then. Zach Charbonnet, running back 63 on the season. Both of their usage is is way down there. Of course, they have veterans or at least uh, holdovers that are that are taking all those opportunities so far. I don't know if there's any opportunities here for for a buy low, Matt, because the really the the potential, the upside is through the roof with both of these players. There's definitely not a buy low opportunity here. At least, at least with uh, JSN, he was just traded from Stefan Diggs just a, just a, just two days ago, straight up uh, for Joe Burrow. Uh, for I mean, he, I, I just don't think they're buying low on JSN. I think the real the real problem for JSN right now, other than of course the two receivers ahead of him, is that Seattle is playing a ton of uh, twelve personnel right now with those two tight end sets, and obviously they're going to run the game. And that's something I missed on. I thought there would be there would be a lot more eleven personnel with with three wide receivers out there this season, um, but it hasn't transpired so far. The nice thing about JSN is that he's got. He's got two outs, right? If, if in, in, in case either of those guys get hurt, I think JSN, you know, gets the volume that that we we thought he might get, or I thought he might get, even as the third wide receiver. So um, we're we're basically waiting for them to be in a game script where they need to pass the ball a ton uh, from an eleven personnel set or an injury to one of those two receivers uh, in front of them. That's what we're waiting on. Well, Charmaine. I mean, I think. Go ahead. 
Right, sorry. sorry, Dan. I think I think when we hear buy low, we automatically think that there's some amazing discount that you know is is it yeah. is it a, a very one sided deal, and that's probably not out there for JSN. I think what is out there when you look at the other rookie receivers, and he was pretty clearly the rookie wide receiver one for almost everybody. But if you want to trade uh, Jordan Addison for JSN, you could do that. I think you could trade Zay Flowers for JSN. Mm. I think you could probably trade Puka Nakua for JSN. So yeah. if you mm-hmm. if you really believe, if you have that depth, uh, where where maybe those guys are not starters for you, or or maybe they're your third or fourth guy somehow, um, I, I think you could make those deals. So I, while he's not the conventional buy low the price has definitely dropped. Charbonnet, on the other hand, is simply waiting his time, you know, yep. wait, waiting for his turn. Uh, I think I mentioned last week, he got that, he got that series to himself and he looked incredible. So, so patient, so powerful. Charbonnet is going to be a league winner in his career at some point. And he is not a player you want to let go of if he's sitting on your bench and you're, you're running into running back problems. On the flip side, though, if suddenly he's available for some of these other players that were drafted around him or, or maybe a veteran, I'd be targeting Charbonnet in, in my dynasty leagues. Uh, I have him in a few already, so I, I won't need to. But he was going late in the first round in a lot of super flex drafts, mid first round in, in single quarterback. And I think he still holds that value despite being running back 63 so far on the season and not cracking the top 40 in a specific week pending what he does on Monday night. Uh, last couple we want to talk about, a couple Tennessee Titans, Traylon Burks, Chigo Conquo, wide receiver 84, tight end 33 respectively. I think maybe we as a fantasy industry set the bar kind of high on Chig specifically because of that mm-hmm. athleticism and that ability to stretch the seam and make those above the rim kind of plays. That hasn't happened so far in a Tennessee offense that simply doesn't have the talent necessary specifically on the offensive line and maybe even at quarterback at this point in Tannehill's career to to unlock a guy like Chig or even Traylon Burks. That offense is stuck in the mud right now, Ryan, and we don't we're not seeing really a, a big light at the end of the tunnel. On Sunday, it was it was the Derrick Henry show again, and he looked pretty good once again. That seems to be the blueprint for Tennessee to stay in games. Yeah, I think these two are, you know, we, we talk London and Pitts and that Falcons offense, and they always get a pass, right? They always get right. a pass. We, we, give the, we just gave them a pass five minutes ago. And then I think Burks and, and Chig are kind of the uh, – uh, similar to that duo, maybe, you know, the light version, I guess. And, and they're not getting the benefit of the doubt. And, and I kind of understand why that coaching staff is certainly not going anywhere. At least the head coach is not. Um, and, and even though we expect, you know, this is probably Ryan Tannehill's last year there, maybe he doesn't even make it through the year. You look at the, the backups that they've added the past couple of years and, in, in Willis and, uh, and Levis and, you know, while, while they haven't really had their shot yet, uh, at least Levis hasn't, there's not a lot of confidence in those two turning this around or making this a, a pass happy offense either. Um, so I'm, I'm not as in on Burks or, or even Chig at this point as the Falcons guys, uh, even though they're, they're much cheaper. Matt, are you willing to buy those guys? 
Man, I really want to believe in in Burks, especially. Uh, just so, so talented, and you see the flashes that that that, that he has. Uh, last week, he had a, a couple of nice grabs, a, a long grab, if I remember correctly. Um, that yeah. was 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 beautiful, and the, like those opportunities, they just to me, they just keep drawing me back in. So I want to keep trying to buy as he keeps, you know, his value continues to get depressed for Chig. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like people didn't catch up to the fact that once DeAndre Hopkins came to town, like it was going to be very suspect to him. It's the role of the the third tar- the, the, the top two target again, right? Like he became the third target in the offense once that happened. DeAndre Hop- Hopkins is going to soak up 25 to 30% of the target share. He's done that basically everywhere he's gone. And it hasn't changed here in, in, in Tennessee when he's been healthy. Uh, it happened again today, I think 23%, something like that. So uh, this is not a fruitful passing game. This is a, this is a, Offense led by a quarterback who is well past his prime and a, and, a, and a coach that just wants to run the ball with his massive running back. Right. And even Tajay Spears getting involved today with with 40 yards on the ground and a couple of short receptions. So um, it's just not there's not enough to go around. It's going to be De- DeAndre Hopkins uh, most weeks. And when it's not him in the passing game, maybe one of these other guys pops up, pops up. But uh, none of these guys are going to be you know weak winners or league winners uh, in, in any regards, I don't think. Yeah, it's it's certainly a long-term buy if you're going to buy in on Burks or Oconquo, and that's probably the case with most of the names that we mentioned here, maybe with the exception of Gibbs, who's going to have some spike weeks like we mentioned. Let's keep the trade talk going uh, as we move on to tools of the trade. DLF Tools of the Trade. You know, let's talk about some of our tools. We don't get a, enough opportunities, especially in season, to talk about these tools. We use the Trade Finder and the Trade Analyzer regularly. We use it on the podcast. We always reference it. We already have on this episode, of course. But we're going to do this segment specifically using those two tools to evaluate trades involving some of the most traded players uh, between weeks three and four. So try to try to identify if we agree or disagree with what the analyzer says. Um, and let's start with Devin A. Chain. Matt, some of these trades that we're about to mention here, they might be outdated already because A. Chain. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, or A. Chan, uh, excuse me. Apparently that's how, what he wants to be called. I, think, um, I don't want to do it, Dan. I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> change it. it throws off all the rhyming and all the all the fun <laughs> and everything. Uh, but Achan uh, was traded regularly last week after the four touchdown game. He comes through on Sunday again Whoops. with two more scores. <laughs> and all these trades might not look so good right now. Although the one that really jumps off to me is the Achan for DK Metcalf. Straight up, that's on this list. Let's start right there, Matt. Yeah, Achan comes in with the tr- trade analyzer of the value of 179 and a half, and Metcalf has a value of 667 in the analyzer. This is a this is a really tough one, man. I, I lean towards the wide receiver, but the state of the running back position, as we talked about extensively last week, is just so ugly. And Achan is like a, a shining star, like a hope that you could actually have a, a, a back with some upside and some consistency from week to week. Um, I think I'm still sticking with DK here, but it's really, yeah, you gotta really, the, tan- it's, it's really tantalizing to go with A-Chan, though. Metcalf's been a top 20 receiver since he broke it out in his rookie year, right, Ryan? There's no he way we're going wide to receiver way at one point. Some of these other trades, even. We saw A-Chan for, straight up for Puka Nakua, who has a value of 109.9. We're going to get to him here in a second. Um, A-Chan for a mid-2024 first. 
that seems like a, a deal that maybe that manager is regretting. And then another one, Achan for uh, Jordan Addison, or uh, excuse me, Achan and Jordan Addison for Jalen Waddell. So the 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 value of this young running back that scored six touchdowns in in six quarters, right, is all over the place at this point. And if we look again in a week, we might see some massive deals for for this youngster in Miami. Yeah, I mean, you know. I love our trade analyzer. I think it's the best trade tool in the industry. Um, but once we get in, when we get in season information and we get breakouts like this, there's no, no tool can keep up. And I don't yeah. care if it's based on ADP or rankings or actual trades that are happening. Because to me, these are all very realistic and I could, in most cases, I could argue either side of them. Yeah. Uh, e- even though the trade analyzer suggests they're they're way way off right now, and um, you know when we're here in in a couple weeks and talking about the biggest risers from September to October, Devin Achan is is going to be at the top of the list for good reason. The the most interesting it, one to me is that Waddle deal. Do you guys have a preference on that one, Waddle or Achan and Addison? And Addison, I want Achan and Addison in that. I would one. take the rookies. Yeah, you're going to take yeah, the young I want guys. The two and shots, I think, right? Yeah. It, it might be a landslide in that one. I, I think most people, especially today, would say that. A week ago, however, that's a close trade. So well, I think I, I, I think what you're going to see, you know, we're we're just starting our October ADP. I think what you're going to see is Jordan Addison somewhere in that high end wide receiver two range, like maybe yep. wide receiver fifteen at the worst. Uh, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver five, six, seven. Um, so is the gap lower part of that, I'd say closer to seven or eight. Yeah. Is is the gap between those two receivers, uh, a dynasty RB one, which is what I think is at this point. No, but a week ago when that trade happened or five days ago, that was, you could argue that side of it pretty easily. Eight carries for 101 yards and two touchdowns, uh, and, and led the, led the backfield in touches. He also had three catches for 19 yards as they tried to come back against Buffalo and failed. Sorry for cutting you off there, Matt. Something you wanted to add? Oh, I mean, yeah, I'll just say it. I was just saying Addison, I think I saw he went for, he went in the second round of the mock that I'm participating in. Uh, yeah, or maybe it was the early third, something like that. So yeah, the, the gap is not large anymore, although he did goose egg today. So maybe that might affect somebody. Well, uh, Dan, Oop. sorry, Dan kind of hit on it with a chan. Uh, he played more snaps, uh, saw more opportunities than Raheem Mostert this week. So, um, if there was any, any thought that week three was a fluke, uh, it's not a chan got, got red zone and goal line tar- uh, carries as well. Yep. Um, you know, it doesn't make sense at his size, but that's just what we've got. And we need we to also, enjoy it. We also said that he could do it on less touches because of that speed and that athletic ability. And that's what he's doing. Only and he did today, right? Eight. Yeah. 11 touches. And they were the creative touches that Ryan's yeah. talking about the high value touches down by the goal line. And in the passing game, Puka Nakua, the name we mentioned, the straight up trade H and for Nakua. That happened last week. That probably, maybe that happened in multiple leagues. I could see that one going down. Nakua, his trade value is at 109.9. And we mentioned Achan's at 179.5 last week. This one's this one's tough because there's the lingering return of a veteran wide receiver that's been the wide receiver one for so many weeks. 
And then this offense that's spreading the ball around and, and has multiple breakouts this season, including another young running back that could be in this list as well. We could talk about him. But Nakua here, Matt, there's there's trades of him for Roshan Johnson and a 24 second. That that's kind of ugly right now. Nakua and a 24 second rounder for Tony Pollard. That that one's wild. If somebody would have said that a couple weeks ago, that would that would just blow your mind. When it comes to Puka Nakua out there on the trade market, it's a risky proposition because there's so many unknowns at this point. Where do you land? I think I'm at at around the first range. I think I I want more than that if I have Puka, but if I'm, I don't know, if I'm just trying to cash in, I think I'm okay with with getting a a first for these specific deals. Um, I I definitely want him over the Johnson in the second. I'm probably taking Pollard over, over that package, though. Um, just the way he's all, all of the volume he's getting. And then Puka for a chain is just really interesting. I, I think you can't lose on that one, to be honest with you. Um, I think I probably prefer a chain because of the, the scarcity at the running back position uh, just slightly, but obviously the safety of the wide receiver is, is, you know, very attractive. There was also Ryan, a, a trade in the trade finder Puka tank Dell and Raheem Mostert for Jackson Smith and Jigba, who we talked about earlier. These trades, they're it, it's really week to week, maybe even day to day or play to play yeah. on which side you might land on. Like in general, when it comes to Puka, what advice could you give dynasty managers if they're thinking either on either side of it? Is it time to move on or should I be buying this guy and building my team around it? Uh, I would I would go with the latter there. I, I think he's legit. Um, I think he'll be fine or better when uh when cooper cup comes back and honestly i mean i hate to say it because i i love i love uh the player that he is but we can't trust cooper cup to stay on the field um he he has not shown he can stay healthy so uh, i would absolutely be willing to invest in in puka nakua and pay the prices that we've talked about here uh, as far as specific advice or, or general advice i guess to dynasty managers uh, reach out to the Puka manager in your league, take the temperature, you know, the price might be two first and then you can back off, but you need to, you need to make sure. Agreed. Well, just in case, what what about that JSN thing? Oh, I, are you I taking JSN or are you taking Nakua straight up deal? Well, the, the deal is not straight up. I, I still have, I, no, still I mean, have specifically, if that's what it would take, are you trading JSN to get Puka right now? Um, if you if you took the temperature and that's what they said, I want JSN. Are you taking that deal? Yeah, I think that's fine. They're they're in the same tier for me. I I do still have JSN ranked higher. Uh, I've still got him above all those rookie receivers we talked about, but uh, that's that's probably going to be uh, updated as well. Um, oh. I mean, <laughs> this this deal though is uh, the one you referenced: Nakua, Dell, and Mostert. I think you're getting getting tank and most for free in that deal. Yeah, it certainly looks like like that. We got a couple more we're going to get to squeeze in here. Uh, let's go to a veteran, Elvin Kamara, currently worth 152.8 points according to the trade analyzer. Lots of different trades in this one as well. The one that really jumps off to me, uh, Kamara, uh, 2024 third and 2024 fourth for Zach Charbonnet. That's a move I want to make. I'm, I'm moving on from 
from Camara to get Charbonnet for the reasons I mentioned before there, Matt. There's also a couple others. Camara straight up for Darren Waller, who's worth 147.6 points. And then uh, Camara for Nick Chubb and Gabriel Davis. So a package deal on Camara. Camara back on the field in week four for the first time this year and and fell right into that role as the lead back and and certainly was a guy that dynasty managers plugged right into their uh right into their lineups on sunday he was fine he was good but when it comes to the trade market and and what we're expecting to get in return or maybe expecting to pay out there on the trade market a guy that uh gets his feet wet with 11 carries for 51 yards and and has the you know what was it? Eleven? I don't have the stats. It's he caught a whole bunch of balls. He caught right? thirteen, thirteen out of fourteen <laughs> targets, but only for like 30, 30, 33 yards. yards. Or something like yeah, that. like yeah. only so, thirty-three yards. But somebody, if, if somebody you're out the there stat, uh, checking out the checking out gauging the temperature, as Ryan said on Kamara, where do you land here? Is he somebody you're trying to go get? I kind of, if I'm a competing team, I kind of think I am. It doesn't. I mean, I mean, I expected Matt. Kendra Miller. I, I expect, listen, I expected Kendra Miller to have a much larger role than he has last week and this week. One carry this week. And again, in a sea of disgusting running backs, Kamara seems to have a very good role. I'm not going to pay any of these prices on here. I think the Darren Waller price is is, is definitely fair. Another veteran who's disappointed. Um, but all of the other ones, I'm taking the other side for sure. Like I'd rather have Charbonnet, obviously. The Nick Chubb one, I think I put on there because I just think it's interesting. Like what do you, like if you're a Nick Chubb manager, you are clearly a competing manager. I mean, an old for an old, uh, you're throwing in Gabe Davis who had a nice game today, but we know is inconsistent. So that one is really I mean- interesting to me. That one's just Kamara for Gabe Davis, and I want Kamara there. Um, okay, that's fair. I, I wasn't questioning adding Kamara. I, I, I mean, I think he's great. He can help a contender. I'm questioning doing it now. Like, we should have done that six weeks ago or eight oh, weeks 100%. ago. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Or, yeah. or, or even three weeks ago. Like, I would not be buying now for sure. Yeah, especially if the price is a is a future first, it's it's going to oh, be gosh. difficult to give up a first at this point, and that's what most Kamara managers, especially after thirteen catches in a PPR, are going to ask for. You're selling for a first, right? Okay. Yeah, you can get a yeah, first yeah, for Kamara, yeah, yeah. sure. yeah. gonna, but, even a contender. Yeah, on the other end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, Jerome Ford. Uh, Ford for a twenty-four second. That seems reasonable. Ford for Dallas Goddard, straight up. Uh, that one's interesting. And then four for the aforementioned Gabe Davis. If you're if you're out there in a single quarterback league right now, Ryan, and, and Jerome Ford can maybe fill that RB2 slot for you, how do you feel about these deals? I think the second, uh, Ford for a second, and Ford for Gabe Davis are pretty easy deals to make if you have a – have a hole at running back. And, you know, honestly, most of us do after the way this, this season has started. Um, I would be hesitant to pay Dallas Goddard only because, you know, as thin as running back is tight end is even thinner. And I know Goddard hasn't been good, but I, I don't think he's done. I think, I think we'll get the real Dallas Goddard at some point. Um, so I, I like Ford as a target in general. And uh, for the most part, like these, like these trades to get him. 
Yeah, I do as well. He was they were of course playing from behind on Sunday against the Ravens. Ford had nine carries for twenty six yards, but it was real encouraging. He got six targets and caught five of them for nineteen yards. So that might create that floor that we were always hoping would be there with Nick Chubb. While the upside might not all be there, Matt. Uh, he he did come through. There was a super flex trade listed here as well. We talked about C.J. Stroud in the startup. C.J. Stroud for Jerome Ford and Deshaun Watson. So stacking up those Browns. How do you like this one? I, I have I have Stroud ahead of Watson and I don't, and Ford isn't enough to move the needle for me there. I think I think it's a yeah. nice deal if you want to you know tear down at quarterback. Maybe it's not. Maybe that person who has Stroud doesn't even consider it a tear down. I don't know. Um, but if you want to tear down and pick up a, a running back piece that you need some depth or a second starter or whatever, I think it's fine. But in a vacuum, I definitely want Stroud there. Yeah, for all the reasons we said in the in that startup. These guys, they're you know, if you haven't gotten been on the site and checked out the trade finder, trade, especially the trade analyzer, it's worth going and toying with it. What's really nice about that trade analyzer is you can look at the the value of every player. So, if you have a player you're thinking about shopping out there on the open market, go to the go to the analyzer, put in your settings and then click that box to see the values of the player and you'll be able to you'll be able to see reasonable uh trade packages that are the player should go for and uh maybe that could be a good starting point for you. Also, if you get that offer, plug it in to the trade analyzer and see see where these guys land. It's updated all the time. And although as Ryan said earlier, nothing no no tool can stay updated perfectly. Um, the analyzer does does a pretty good job. It uses rankings and values to to create those values for you. Um, I guess that's going to do it for this episode, the week four edition of the DLF Dynasty podcast. We'll be here all year to talk about everything Dynasty related and continue to talk about all these rookies and everything else. For Matt and Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.